Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, before this episode starts, I want to talk about some pretty cool news. Oki Investigations now has its own website. It's truecrime.blog. And it is a running blog for crime stories and for this show. So if you're a true crime buff and you want to see some cool things that we gathered while researching each show, including a like timeline of events that we put together, uh, newspaper clippings, court documents, and much, much more, come check us out at truecrime.blog. One, two, three. Hello everyone and welcome to Oki Investigations. My name is Trevor Shelby. In this episode, we're going to discuss the 1934 Tulsa, Oklahoma shootout that resulted in one officer's death and another seriously wounded. This roller coaster of a story is one that should not be forgotten. In this episode, we'll discuss what happened, why, and what's happened since. But first, if you're a first-time listener, to experience this podcast to its finest, hit that subscribe button so when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. Then head on over to our Facebook page. Here we can discuss the case together and perhaps come with our own theories about the many cases that will be featured on this show. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash Oki Investigations. Hello again, my friends, and welcome to another exciting show that we have put on for you. I hope all is well in your neck of the woods. Last week, Oklahoma suffered through a horrible ice storm that really put a kink in our plans for last week's show. Uh, We were unable to record due to the power outage that we had to endure through. But we are one of the lucky ones. Through most of the storm, we had power, but after a transformer blew, our whole neighborhood just lost power. But by then, the temperatures were in the 50s and 60s, so it wasn't that bad for us. There were others that are still without power. I checked on the OGE system watch map, and there are 25,000 people still without power in central Oklahoma. This ice storm started almost two weeks ago. It was that crazy. Uh, We had every tree on our property. It's broken, destroyed. Uh, I've been cutting trees down left and right. Uh, We had two fences veed in at two points. Big tree limb landed on our car, hit our roof. Uh, It was madness, but we survived. We're okay. We're thankful for the men and women who are working on the line crews 24 hours a day and are doing all that they can to get power back in the homes. They are the real heroes of this story. Now, I decided to scrap last week's episode. I'm going to work on it as a bonus episode that will come out sometime soon, probably in the next week or two. I had a lot of fun looking into the spooky stories of Oklahoma's past, but today's episode was just as fun to look into. 
I had a, a lot to sift through on this case. Uh, this is at a time in our nation's history that a lot of people are on death row. We're around the 1934 to 1936 time frame here. And Oklahoma is no exception here. Our story first takes place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's Sunday, July 22nd, 1934. A man walks into a Crown Drug store. He shops around for a while, and the man watching at the counter gets nervous. He notices that the man shopping has a gun. The store clerk went to the back door and alerted a messenger boy who was back there. He told the boy about the possible robbery and to alert the police. The shopper at the store eventually bought a Coca-Cola and a package of gum and then left the store. As he approached his car, two men ran up to him. Their pistols were drawn. The man walking to his car slowly turned and drew his own weapon. When it was all said and done, each man had been shot. Officer L.B. Mitchell was fatally wounded and died in the street. Detective Luther Martin was in critical condition with a bullet wound to his stomach. The man who was walking up to his car, James Hargis, had been shot several times. Once in the head at the temple, another along his face, blinding him in his right eye, and then several shots to his left shoulder and arm. That left that arm paralyzed, and it was eventually amputated. Now, Detective Martin, he survived, and surprisingly, James Hargis, who had been shot so many times, also survived. Police were just as baffled as everyone else of how something like this could go 0 to 60 so quickly. They interviewed the shopkeeper who gave them the story of what he feared and what he thought might happen. He believed that James Hargis had the attention to rob his store but then backed out last minute. The detective and officer when they came, they they approached, they were not in uniform, but they did shout out to him. They had their pistols drawn. James Hargis did not hesitate to turn and start firing at them. There was an elderly man across the street who was sitting out on his porch. He witnessed the entire event. Now, he states that the officer and the detective uh, were rushing up to the would-be robber and... He said they were having some kind of conversation when Officer Mitchell grabbed his stomach and said, I've been shot. That's when the shootout really began. The elderly man said that he shouted out to Detective Martin to take cover behind his porch because it was concrete and it could give him a good vantage point along with some protection. Now, 24 hours later, Ms. Hargis has gone to the police station in Tulsa to claim the car that her husband was driving at the time. She was not allowed the vehicle and she was also arrested. This is uh, here's a news story by the Sepulpa Herald uh, that's dated July 24th, 1934 titled Miss Hargis is held by police. 
Miss Hargis, 23, wife of a man held for the slaying of a Tulsa officer, was held by police today after she appeared at the station to claim her car the, that her husband drove. She was turned over to federal authorities with the understanding that they would prosecute her for transporting a stolen automobile across the state border. Police said she exhibited a forged title in claiming the machine. Her husband, James Richard Hargis, was critically wounded in the gun battle Sunday night. And little hope was held for his recovery today. Police said he had confessed to several robberies. Funeral services for L.B. Mitchell, detective who died in the battle, will be held tomorrow. A murder charge was to be filed against Hargis today in connection with Mitchell's death. Meanwhile, W.L. Martin, detective, companion of Mitchell, today battled for his own life in the hospital. He was shot in the abdomen during the fight. Physicians give him an even 50-50 chance to recover. Now, seeing that this is just a few days after the shooting, the chances for James Hargis is not very good. Now, they've held Miss Hargis on the grounds that they have transported a stolen vehicle, and it seems that she is facing her own set of legal battles to come. Now, the police have also said that he has confessed to several robberies that have been going down in the area. So, I find that pretty interesting and also kind of suspicious. I'm not one that usually sees police in a bad light, but it is kind of convenient that this man is on his deathbed. They don't think he's going to survive. He's been shot in the head they don't think he's going to make it. So then supposedly he's confessed to all these crimes. So either either he did that or either they're trying to trying to uh, get their solve rate back up a little bit. Now, just a few months later, October it's October 4th, 1934, and James Hargis is now in front of the court. Hargis says that he is not guilty because he was just defending himself. He believed that his life was in danger, and that is why he drew his weapon and fired first. The judge, William Randolph, ordered him held in the county jail without bond, pending the preliminary hearing that was set for October 16th. Hargis was wounded by the officers in a gunfight, he was taken to the state prison at McAllister for safekeeping at the time, and that's where they amputated his left arm And what physician said was an attempt to save his life. Now, they had the preliminary hearing, and which that set up the actual trial that was for December 4th, 1934. Now, this trial was an astonishing six hours long now, the Cushing Daily Citizen actually covered this uh, on December 6, 1934. They had an article that titled, Death for Slayer of Tulsa Officer. James Hargis, 24, of San Antonio, Texas, police character, today awaited formal sentencing of death for the slaying of the Tulsa officer last July 22nd. Hargis was convicted in the district court of the murder yesterday in the slaying of Detective L.B. Mitchell, and the jury decreed death in the electric chair for him. 
the jury deliberated for only 35 minutes. District Judge Harry Halley set Saturday as the date for the formal sentencing. Mitchell was slain and his companion officer, W.L. Martin, was wounded when they attempted to question Hargis at the drugstore. He claimed self-defense, saying that he did not fire on the officers until one of them drew a gun and he thought he was about to be killed. When the verdict was given, Hargis kissed his young wife goodbye, embraced his mother, and was led back to a cell. He betrayed no emotions. This article was pretty interesting because it really kind of set a timetable of how these things kind of took place. Uh, the first day, it was the trial, like I said, was only about six hours long. And today, they deliberated, the jury had it, they deliberated for 35 minutes, and they had sentenced him to death. Pretty crazy, uh, very quick, and uh, this kind of goes hand in hand with what was going on at the time. And I want to stress that we do have a lot of people right now that's on death row, and but at this time at this time frame uh, there were 179 people on death row in the united states at the time out of the 179 people five of them were women not all of these people were murderers eight of them were rapists five were kidnappers one was an armed robber who took no money and killed no man Oklahoma ranked fourth at the time in the nation in the number of condemned men now awaiting execution, which they had about 16 people. Now, you could argue that right now we have a lot more people that are on death row than just 179 people. But at this time, you only got like one shot to get off a of death row. You had an appeal. If it didn't happen, if it didn't go through, it was done. They didn't leave you on death row for years and years and years. You were executed months later if your appeal, which typically came pretty quick, uh, if it didn't go your way. So if you think about it, 179 people, probably a good percentage of those P-179 were executed just months later. Probably all of them within the next couple of years. It's pretty, pretty crazy if you think about it that way. And if you're wondering, well, why don't we just do it that way now? Well, you can't. Because studies have shown, and we've had lots of examples of where people have been on death row for decades and then some something like DNA technology or something comes forward that exonerates these people. It would just be awful to know that somebody that you put to death was actually innocent. And so it's hard to justify these quick killings when there is a good percentage of them that might actually be innocent now after he was sentenced to death governor maryland granted clemency right away and he was basically giving a stay of execution that uh, wasn't so close so it gives 
Hargus a little bit of time to work on his appeals. Now, one of the first things that his attorneys figure out is that maybe Hargus didn't get a fair shot at his trial, and that's because one of the jury members was a sheriff's deputy at the time. They argue that this deputy should have never been on the jury. This gave a biased view in the jury, and that obviously bled over into the verdict itself. They also argue that Hargis was in the right to shoot because these men were not dressed as uniforms. They did not present themselves as police. They were rushing up to him and they drew their weapons. That is when Hargis drew his weapon and fired back. So they are arguing that he had every right to defend himself because he had committed no crime. On December 3rd, 1935, almost a year after the trial, James Hargis was able to argue in court uh, about his appeal. The court listened and then denied the appeal. The judge argues back that it is not your right to shoot someone just because you feel like you're in danger. You cannot just murder people when you see that it's fitting. This, of course, was a big blow to the case. Now, the only thing that James Hargis could hope for is clemency from the governor. Hargis's mother pleads for his life in the papers. She asks that they spare his son the death sentence and just give him life in prison. When the governor is interviewed, he actually says that it is his duty and it's his job to, and it's a hard one, to send people to the chair. He has to carry out those orders because that is what was ordered at the trial. And this is an example of the quick justice that they had at the time. Hargis had lost his appeals in December of 1935. By February 1936, he was to be executed. Just a day before his execution, the attorneys for James Hargis argued to the governor that they needed time to get his case reopened. So he ordered another stay of execution. Now they rescheduled the execution for April 9th, 1935 giving those attorneys the time that they needed. What the attorneys really wanted was another trial. They wanted another chance to get in front of a judge and a jury to possibly get some of this overturned. I mean, they're pretty much shooting for life in prison, if nothing else. Those attorneys tried and tried to get in front of a judge, but to no avail, they were not able to get that case reopened. The governor actually said in the interview that there would be no last minute stays of execution in this case, but seven hours before Hargis was to be put to death, he did receive a stay of execution pending the outcome of a hearing. Now, finally, they are able to get in front of a judge just days later. They argue for the need of a retrial. Judge looks at the evidence that they bring and rules against them. Now it is April 24th, 1936. James Hargis is again on his day of execution. This is for the third time. 
Eyewitnesses said Hargis walked into the death chamber. He had a conversation with the warden, and he spoke to the audience and said, Gentlemen, goodbye and good luck. I would like to say more, but the warden says it's not advisable. So all I guess I can do is sit down in the chair and die. After that, he was strapped into the electric chair. The current was turned on for 45 seconds, and he was pronounced dead after that. An hour before he died, Hargis was in his death cell, and he was quoted to have saying that the state was committing cold-blooded murder. Hargis was actually the first man to be electrocuted in Oklahoma that was missing a limb. Now, this whole case was very wild from the get-go. This is the case where somebody was approached by officers who hadn't technically really committed a crime, but he might have been going to. Who knows? Um, he did, however, uh, open fire on two officers uh, who were approaching him, and then he was sentenced to death. I do feel like in today's world, he would have been probably maybe sentenced to life or uh, maybe there was to be a little bit more of a different outcome, uh, especially with the, uh, the officers in plain clothing that uh, approached him, you know, didn't present themselves as officers. Uh, yeah, they, you could almost argue in some instances that uh, he may have been just trying to protect himself. But... Overall, very, very sad case for all of those involved. Now, I hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed researching it. It's a very crazy case. You just didn't know how this one was going to end. It could have gone one way or the other. Join us next week as we once again delve into the dark side of Oklahoma's history. Make sure that you subscribe. That way, when we have new episodes, you will be the first to know. And join us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Investigations. I will see you guys next week. I hope you have a wonderful time. See ya. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.